1: Hear this reading based on Luke chapter four, the temptation of Jesus. Now Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days and 40 nights he was tempted by the devil. And Jesus ate nothing at all during those days. And when they were over, he was famished. Then the devil, sliding up next to him, said, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. And Jesus said to him, It is written, one does not live by bread alone. Not one to give up so easily, the devil took him up to a great height and showed him in a twinkling all the great kingdoms of this world. And the devil said to Jesus, to you, I will give all their glory and all their power, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you will but worship me, all that you see will be yours. And Jesus answered him again, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve only the Holy One. Then in a fit of anger, the devil took Jesus up to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle, the very top of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written God has given his angels instructions concerning you to protect you, and on their wings they will bear you up so that you will not dash so much as your big toe against a stone. Jesus answered him, Hmm, it is also written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Finally, when the devil had exhausted every test, he took his leave from Jesus, but only until he could find an opportune moment to make another approach. May God add a blessing to this reading of the Gospel.
0: Loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Lent has begun. On Ash Wednesday, we heard the traditional words from the United Methodist Liturgy, which read, During this season... Converts to the faith were prepared for holy baptism. It was also a time when persons who had committed serious sins and had separated themselves from the community of faith were reconciled by penitence and forgiveness and restored to participation in the life of the church. We tend to shy away from the word sin at Epworth But it's important for us to wrestle with the problem of sin and the problem of evil and to understand how our Christian faith responds to these realities. As we have watched and read the news over the last two weeks and witnessed the actions of an autocratic despotic leader which have resulted in the indiscriminate murder of Ukrainian civilians now believed to be into the thousands. We know that the demonic, evil, and sin do manifest in our world in this kind of violence and aggression. To pretend otherwise is not only to add to the suffering of those caught in the impact of sin, but to forfeit the opportunity to proclaim with Jesus that there is a way to redeem not only sin and evil, but all of us, all of us. Our scripture today from Luke is commonly referred to as the temptation of Jesus and is the traditional story for the first Sunday in Lent. It reminds us that Lent is fundamentally about confronting that which separates us from God and from each other. In the verses that Randall read this morning, we see these exchanges between a presence called the devil and Jesus. And these exchanges are first about turning stone into bread, then about giving Jesus authority and glory Then about testing God's love and care for him and, by extension, us. The devil is attempting to warp Jesus' human need for food, for purpose and belonging, and for security and certainty. As we hear these exchanges, we can detect the devil's mockery of God, the implicit baiting of Jesus, the goading to respond into and add to the violence out of which these offers come. Part of the journey of Lent is to address our temptations. And this is the literal reading of the text and where we often stop. And that's understandable. We all all have things, issues, people we struggle with. We know we're tempted. We know what these things are for us. And we know how they keep us from being our best selves. To try to deal with our temptations takes a lot of energy. Sometimes it's all we can do. It's hard. And we feel the separation these temptations create in our lives even if we don't think consciously about the separation. The scene we're presented with today our scripture comes immediately after Jesus is baptized in the Jordan by John. And that baptism signals the beginning of Jesus's public ministry. It comes when he, you know, we, we last saw Jesus in the temple when he was about 13 years old. And then, you know, his whole teenage years and young adulthood, we don't really know what was going on with him. But then there he is at the Jordan with John at about age 30 and something new is happening. It is time That baptism signals the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, and it's like the opening scene of what Jesus is about. And so we need to pay very close attention to what happens next, and what happens next is what Randall read this morning. When I was in seminary, I took a class on uh, film and the Bible, and I learned that in classic film structure, the opening scene of the movie sets up what the movie is going to be all about. And in Luke's narrative, the opening scene is the story of temptation and Jesus's exchange with the devil. The scene is communicating what the core of Jesus' public ministry and message is all about. Very important scene. And though we talk about it as Jesus's temptation by the devil, it's not the devil's action, but Jesus's that we need to pay attention to and focus on. Jesus's public ministry is not about some fad way to resist things or people or issues that torment us. It is a physical, emotional, spiritual, and political struggle to restore us all, even the devil, to right relationship. So look again at what Jesus does in the scripture. Every time the devil tries to attack and tempt him, Jesus does not engage him directly. The opening words of the scripture tell us that Jesus fasted for 40 days in the desert. He was hungry. And so unsurprisingly, the devil goes right in for his most immediate physical need, food, basic need. But interestingly, The devil doesn't offer Jesus food. He says, if you are the son of God, turn this stone into bread. And why would he do that? Why wouldn't he just lay out a feast and say, come, have it? So again, we're asked to look beyond the mere literal temptation to eat while hungry. And in the way that this temptation is constructed we see that the deeper challenge here is about power the devil is saying show your power demonstrate your power use your power in each of the successive temptations the second one in which the devil takes jesus to a high place and says all of this can be yours i get to give it to whom i please and then the final one, where the devil tempts Jesus to test God's power, the common theme is what? Power. The first temptation addresses Jesus' power. The second, more power and worldly power. The third, God's power. And in each of the responses, in Jesus' responses, he doesn't match the aggression that is coming at him, but reframes it. And in these reframes, though they may seem simple, they are not. They are revolutionary. Jesus is taking aggressive power and transforming it into invitational power. In each case, Jesus is refusing the violence inherent in the devil's temptations and reaching out with an offer of right relationship. The feminist activist Barbara Deming, whose legacy is is guided by our own Alice Templeton and the Barbara Deming Memorial Fund, is known for articulating a practice called the two hands of nonviolence in one of her most well-known articles on revolution and equilibrium. In the two hands of nonviolence... One stands one's ground against aggression and violence, putting one hand up in the motion of stop. The first hand communicates, I will not participate in your violence. I will not cooperate with abuse of power, and I do not give in to your coercions. I will actively resist what you are doing. But the other hand, is open, outstretched, saying to the same person, I honor your humanity. I am open to you in right relationship. I know there is more of you, more God wants from you. I am open to you, and and I honor and affirm your inherent dignity and sacred worth. In the opening scene of Jesus' public ministry, Jesus demonstrates the two hands of active nonviolence. In a context then as now, that was characterized by us versus them mentalities, transactional relationships and power based on domination, Jesus is offering something new and beautiful and mutual. Jesus is offering life. A basic definition of sin is separation. Separation from ourselves, from each other, and from God. And so what Jesus was doing in the scripture with the devil was more than just resisting temptation. He was addressing separation, the two hands. No, I won't participate in violence. Yes, I do want to connect with you in right relationship. He was affirming and safeguarding our fundamental interrelatedness and inviting all into communion with himself and with each other. Interestingly, when we think of the two hands of nonviolence that exhibit the way Jesus is interacting with the devil in the scene, in the hand that says stop, the right hand that is being held up, is an echo of the abaya mudra, The Abhaya Mudra is seen depicted in images in the Hindu, Buddhist, Jain, and Sikh religions. Within the Buddhist tradition in particular, the Buddha is said to have revealed this gesture immediately after attaining enlightenment. The Abhaya Mudra is a gesture that offers protection and peace and inner security, but ultimately it is a gesture of fearlessness. In a world that is permeated by violence, fear, and separation, Jesus is offering a very radically different way to life. In the small group uh, that began on Thursday on difficult conversations and nonviolent communication, our discussion turned at one point to the reality that violence in images, in in interactions, in structures, in system, in media, in mindsets, pervades our lives it is so pervasive that we are often not aware of it we are like fish and violence is the water we're swimming in but Jesus beckons us into new waters and to be able to see the difference we need some markers maybe even some turbulence to see what is all around us to stir it up Make it visible. Maybe we actually need an unmooring. This Lenten season, we are taking a collective look at what the disruption of the last couple of years has uncovered. In unmoored space, we have new opportunities to see the sin and evil and destructiveness and violence that surrounds us and to set new patterns to reclaim our inherent dignity. to set new ways of interacting and ways of caring for each other through compassion and love, affirming the sacred worth of each person. This is hard work. It requires us to be rigorously honest with ourselves and with each other, to confess, to ask forgiveness and to offer forgiveness, and in many cases, to move into uncharted waters. But what the opening scene of the Lenten season reminds us is that Jesus, too, has experienced the toxicity and violence that we know and charts a path through these waters. May we find gifts in this unmooring. Backslash connect. Have a great week. A year from now
2: will all be gone. And our friends will move away. And they're gone.
0: So if you don't know
2: what to mean name-
3: Rivers till I reach you Rivers <sighs> Rivers and roads, rivers till I reach you. Rivers and roads, oh rivers and roads, rivers till I reach you.